Okie dokie. Here we go. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I'd like to call to order the July 5th, 2023 Loudoun County Board of Supervisors business meeting. This room has a hearing loop. If you need hearing assistance, switch your hearing aid to Tola Cole mode. If you need a headset, we have those available as well. Please see the clerk uh, to my left here to request one. Um, the pledge, I will hand that over to Mr. Buffington. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Did you want to do uh, any special words or anything as well? Or no? For any of you who might be struggling with a tough decision and the answer depends on whether you think you can, you're going to be all right with what you want to do, I recommend that you do what you want to do and trust me that you're going to be all right. All right. All right. Thank you. Trust Mr. Buffington. Okay. Very good. All right. The proposed consent agenda is as follows. Item R1, Resolution of Appreciation for Alan Brewer, Retiring Director, Department of Building and Development. Item 1A, Appointments Confirmations. Item 2, Administrative Items Report of July 5th, 2023. Item 3, Proposed Amendments to the Board of Supervisors Rules of Order, Hearing of New Items and Returning Items for Ready for Action. Item 6A, 2024 Countywide Health Plan Update and Premium Review, Medical Prescription Drugs, Dental and Vision Benefits. Item 6B, Award Authority Increased Security Guard Services. Item 6C, Fiscal Impact Committee Bylaws Adoption. Item 6D, Community Policy and Management Team Bylaws Adoption. Item 6E, excuse me, Loudoun County Community Criminal Justice Board Laws uh, Conversion. Is there a motion to? Seven. All right, thank you. Motion moved by Supervisor Umstead, second, seconded by Supervisor Brisbane for the consent agenda. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Any abstentions? Nope. And we have one member of the board uh, not in attendance with us today, that, that's Chair Randall. So that motion will pass 801 with Chair Randall off the dice. Um, Mr. Chair, point of clarification? Yes. On item number three, if I could just clarify with staff, I'm pretty sure I remember this correctly, but I want to make sure I have it down. So the rules of order basically state that the default position for the board will be that we will advertise the public hearing, hold the public hearing, an item will then move to a second public hearing and we will re-advertise it a second time to the second public hearing and we can act on that without suspending the rules at the second hearing. If we want to act it on the first time, we have to suspend the rules. Am I correct in that? Yes, Supervisor Turner, you Thank are you. correct. Sorry. Thank you very much. Okay, anybody else? Okay, all those in favor of the consent agenda? Oh, yeah, we already did that. Excuse me. All right, that passed. Uh, 801, Chairman Rendell off the dice. Very good. Okay, moving right along. All right, are there any additions or deletions to the agenda? Nope. Okay, very good. We do not have a voice of our cause for today. We'll have one uh, the next meeting. Uh, Mr. Hemstreet, do you have any uh, comments this evening? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I've got uh, four comments for this evening. Uh, the first is that I'm pleased to announce that the Federal Transit Administration has awarded Loudoun County $13.8 million to purchase 37 compressed natural gas buses, construct a fueling station, and update our maintenance facility. 
Uh, the new low emission buses will be used by Loudoun County Transit and will lead to an estimated annual reduction of more than 447 metric tons of greenhouse gases. Loudoun County's grant application was one of 130 selected by the FTA for funding out of a total of 475 eligible projects. Uh, second, the 2023 edition of the Solarize Nova program is underway. Now th through August 31st, Loudoun County homeowners can sign up to learn more about solar power options for their property. Uh, the program features free solar assessments, discounted pricing on installation and information about incentives, such as the 30% federal tax credit. Residents are encouraged to sign up at solarizenova.org for an upcoming virtual information session to learn more. Uh, third, applications are now being accepted for the county's affordable multifamily housing loan program. Nonprofit and for-profit developers interested in constructing affordable multifamily rental housing units in Loudoun are encouraged to apply. The Department of Housing and Community Development will host a pre-application meeting August 17th. Applications are due October 2nd. More information is online at loudoun.gov housing. Uh, Finally, Loudoun County Parks, Recreation, and Community Services is now offering online reservations for more than 30 pavilions available to rent at parks and community center sites across the county. The pavilions are available for a fee for a half day or full day and can be reserved by visiting loudoun.gov pavilions. And those are my formal rocks remarks, Mr. Chair. The only thing I'll add is we'll be sending you out a notice shortly, but uh, as of July 1st, uh, the Loudoun County Health Department is now under local administration. Uh, we signed the agreement with, uh, with the state, so we'll be making that announcement in a more formal fashion a little bit later. So do want to make sure you're aware of that. I do also want to thank Assistant County Administrator Monica Spells, uh, who led that effort. Uh, she was absolutely instrumental to that process. Uh, there were a number of other individuals that were definitely involved, including uh, Jeanette Green, uh, HR Director, Valerie Turner, in her capacity as the Acting uh, Director of Finance and Procurement, as well as Dr. Goodfriend and his team and their respective staffs. But I do want to say that uh, ACA Spells was a central figure in uh, putting that all together. So I just want to say that. Again, we'll put out something more formal a little bit later. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Hemstreet, and thank you to... Uh, assistant uh, Monica Spells and the rest of the team on, the, on that initiative. All right, um, the levels, uh, do we have, all right, and the guys, the level set here, we're gonna do nominations. If anybody has a nomination, please put your light on. Then after that, we're gonna go to item five, which is Department of Planning and Zoning Work Plan. Uh, discuss that, I see we have a motion from Mr. Turner that came in this afternoon. After that item is, is up, depending on how much time you have left over, we will go into closed session. We'll read for one, two, and three, depending on how closed session goes. We will come back. We will then um, have public comment at six o'clock, and then we'll have item four. And if we have any leftover closed session items, then we'll go back into closed session. So we'll see how that goes. All right, so any nominations? No nominations, okay. Oh, we got a nomination. Please put your light on if you have a nomination. Mr. Uh, Supervisor from the Contacton District. Yes. What's, the, what's the news of the day? We just need nominations, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't, you don't want my all new my news yet. <laughs> all right. I uh, have two nominations for the Historic Review Committee. The first would be Carl Rydell um, and Madeline Skinner. As the, um, I would ask to nominate both of them. Okay. Thank you. They're both at large seats. All right. Seeing nobody else, we will go to. 
Item number five um, with Jacqueline Marsh, Mark Stoltz, and Daniel Collado in planning and zoning. Come on down. Good evening. Good evening. Let's give me one moment to pull up the presentation. Does anybody need to see the presentation? How many slides is the presentation again? It's just a couple, but it's it's the same tables as are in the report. So I'm happy just to answer any questions if y'all prefer not to have a. Anybody need the presentation? Update. Speak now, forever. Hold your peace. Okay. Seeing none. Give us an update. If there's any so that the main update for uh, the board's knowledge is the Planning Commission did recommend the draft uh, zoning ordinance rewrite to the board that will be coming forward to you for public hearing on July 26th um, one thing that's noted in the report is that they had a list of other ZOAMs and uh, a conference of plan amendments that they would like to recommend to the board that the board have staff work on some of those are duplicates of things that are already in the work plan but they are doing additional work to try to set a prioritization or a priority of, of the items on that list um, so that, that can be presented to you so that you know where they stand on these things um, otherwise the prime ag soil and cluster subdivision zoam will be going to their work the planning commission's work session next week um, that was supposed to go last month but because of the zoning ordinance rewrite and the, that with the fact that we went to a second meeting that got bumped and pushed back a little bit other than that uh, there's there's nothing that's a significant shift in in time or updates uh, I did incorporate into the work plan the board's action from the last meeting to start the data center locations CPAM as well okay thank you any questions for staff Ms. Brisbane. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair Sains. Um, so just to be clear, this can you just say again which thing was delayed a little bit since the last, was there something else in here that was delayed a little bit, you said? The, the prime agricultural soil and cluster subdivision ZOAM, we had intended to take it to the Planning Commission last month, is going this month. Okay. And the public hearing you said this is coming to? The public hearing is for the zoning ordinance rewrite. So when? that will be coming July 26th. That's for, to us? Yes. We have a public hearing on July 26th? Well, we will be, we have a schedule. We haven't gotten the final, final um, approval on that before we roll it out to everybody, but that is the timeline as of right now, July 26th, possibly. So, so the July 20th, Mr. Chairman. Go ahead. Yeah, so the July 26th date has been added as a public hearing. It's been advertised and it has been formally added to your calendar on tonight's consent agenda. So uh, we are formally notifying the offices as well as the potential with, with uh, Mr. What Chair Sainz is referring to is the schedule for the review of the zoning ordinance uh, itself, which would be several work sessions uh, starting in September, um, going through October and November. Oh, okay. So, so 
But there is a public hearing that is scheduled for July 26. Okay, okay, so the public hearing is to get input on the zoning ordinance rewrite, but we're not expected to take action. That's correct. I mean, given our other action item tonight, we're supposed to be allegedly passing things at public hearing, so that just, like, put the fear of life in me. Well, (laughs) no, I believe that you would pass things at public hearing ostensibly on the second time you hear it or a subsequent time based off of Supervisor Turner's amendment to the board rules last meeting. Okay. Uh, So the public hearing is to get comment, have the board receive comment on the zoning ordinance, proposed zoning ordinance itself. And then have work sessions. And then have work sessions. So the plan would be the public hearing on July 26th and then starting in September, because the board has their August recess, once or twice a week having work sessions around the zoning ordinance chapter by chapter so we are currently in the process of notifying each board office okay on that schedule as, okay as chair uh saints indicated okay thank you um the um okay and then on the on the shooting range uh thing it, it's my understanding that discharge of any firearm in the suburban policy area is not allowed um, so are we, if we're looking to include anything in AR1 in this, that would include some suburban areas. So I saw a little bit of a conflict there. And forgive me, I, I don't know me that I should have mentioned that when I was going through this too. Uh, there, is, there is that item that was incorporated into here. When we were going back and looking to make sure that we had captured um, all the boards guidance to us previously prior to Zor and just looking back a few years, we realized that this had not been on a work plan yet even though the board had taken action to tell us to work on it after the short-term residential rental ZOAM was completed, which it recently was in April. Uh, So I I wanted to highlight this to the board, um, that this is something they all had directed us to do. It has not been on here, so we did not want to presume the the priority of it, and we wanted to present that to you to see exactly where the board would like that to occur, if the board would still like that to occur. It's been three-plus years since um, that action was taken. That said, I, I don't uh, remember what problem we were even trying to solve at that point. But when I saw AR1, I mean, uh, I have AR1 in my district, and I'm a suburban policy area. So, if I, I'll jump in. That, that memory serving me was during the first, our well, our myself and Chair Randall and Supervisor Armstead, in our first board term, we had issues with um, residential houses getting struck right. with uh, with stray bullets. So we and up up Buffington as well. We directed staff to look into that. So I think that's what what that was probably talking about is that correct yes i think that was the impetus for okay. getting that started all right and the, your clock wasn't started miss brisbane but i think your time Uh-oh. is up so oh um, i have more questions well we'll see if we can come back for another round thank Let's you mr letourneau yeah thank you um yeah i had heard some rumors about that date but i don't think they ever pulled the board on that so i will say for the record i have a previously scheduled um, out of town on july 28th so i will not i will not be here for that uh, hearing um, on the ZOM, though, I mean, are, is it your judgment that all of it is fully ready for the board's review? And I ask that because clearly some planning commissioners didn't think so, and I know they had a debate about it and whether to move it along. And you know, we're not going to be able to take it all up at once anyway, right? So if there were areas in which the planning commission felt that they needed to or wished to do more work it would seem like there could be time for them to do that because we're not you know we're starting in september and then we're gonna you know we won't get through it probably 
very quickly. So is that an option? So you're referring to the, the zoning warrants rewrite? You said yeah. so, Ann, but um, I, I believe that we have done as much work on fixing and, and verifying and doing low-hanging fruit type items yeah. that we can. A lot of the things that are left and of the, the eight, uh, I believe it's eight, maybe nine items that were in that list in, in the report, all of those would take many more months to work through in order to come to, in my opinion, to come to a resolution on those different matters. They're not small things that if they just had another meeting or two, they would fix. Well, how are we going to do that? <laughs> well, the, the, that's why they're recommended for additional work later on. After. But what's in After. the ordinance now that's being brought forward to you, I'm sure there will be some things that the board wants to tweak, but I think largely we are we are at a really good place with it. But Mr. Yud's joined as well, if you'd like to chime in. Uh, the, um, go ahead, Mr. Yud. Uh, thank you, Mr. Saints. The um, commission did vote to recommend approval 6-3. The idea that there was going to be more work needed that needed policy attention included a CPAM that would need to happen before it could ever be a zoning ordinance amendment. So while there are other zoning ordinance amendments that could be part of a package like the rural uses, the work that you can review that it did come to you with that positive recommendation is available and you start the process later this month with your public hearing. But there's no there's no items that it would make sense to have the planning commission sort of spend more time on at this point in the interim period before we take it up? No. Okay. Because everything is a CPAM or a new process that is gonna take much longer. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> worth worth asking anyway. All right. Thank you, Mr. Krishna. Thank you. And um, I have a couple questions. First, I want to follow up on this. I think the way the, the item reads is this uh, potential ZOAMs. Right now, the way this motion reads, there's no plan to do anything on this uh, special exception for shooting range outdoor. Is that correct? That was just brought forward because you were kind of cleaning house and looking at things that had been recommended in the past. Right, so it is not something that we are actively working on. Okay. It's not something we would incorporate before ZOR, nor would I recommend starting it before the rewrite is, is completed. Yeah. So we wanted to pull the, the board about, A, it's, do you still want us to do this, and then B, where your thoughts on priority are. Okay, yeah, I think we should definitely wait till the next board to kind of address that, honestly, just because we're gonna have plenty to do here. Um, so th thank you for bringing that to attention. I didn't even realize that was on our, our schedule. The second question I have is back to Mr. Letourneau's question. If we begin to tackle a part of the zoning ordinance rewrite, whatever section it may be, and we decide, you know what, this needs more work, is it within our prerogative to send it back to the Planning Commission and say, listen, we want to see more work, or is that something we send to our own committee? The board does have that prerogative if you acted as a um, body to make that recommendation with that zoning ordinance amendment or any zoning ordinance amendment. Okay, okay, so that certainly is something maybe in addressing some of the issues that may arise depending on where they are. And then the third question I had was specifically with the meetings as part of that we're setting up with staffs and our planning commissioner. I know I think there's one been set up for me this Friday for an hour. I, I suspect that's not nearly going to be enough. I'm gonna have a lot more questions. Um, and so I'm just putting it out there that I would like to schedule a second or third one. Um, but again, Mr. Miller would have to be available on that. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Seeing no other lights on, I'm going to go to you, Mr. Turner. I see you have a, 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 a motion you'd like to bring forward. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And uh, I can speak. Blue paper. In, I can speak inside the motion. It's a blue blue paper motion. 
Hang on, let me switch eyes here. I move the Board of Supervisors revise the Department of Planning and Zoning Work Plan to add a market analysis of a transfer of development rights TDR program to Table 2 as priority number 4. I further move that the Board direct staff to research the scope, cost, and timelines of utilizing a third-party consultant for this project and return to the Board with this information proposed funding source prior to the December 2023 General Fund Balance discussion. Second. Okay, we have a motion made by Supervisor Turner, second by Supervisor Kushner. Go ahead, Mr. Turner. Thanks, Mr. Chair. Um, I apologize that this came late, and I am more than happy to withdraw this motion and defer it to the next meeting in July if that is the will of the board. I have no problems with that at all. Um, it was late. It's been percolating for about a week now. We've been trying to refine it. Staff pointed out some limitations to the original motion that I had, and I think this is a better motion. Um, this is this the the TLOC discussion surfaced the idea of using a transfer development rights program, but we really got into some of the permutations of how that could be used. The tra tra traditional way a transfer development rights program is an entity that wants more density in a dense area already buys development rights from a less dense area, and we retire the development rights in that less dense area. That's the normal way you use it. Well, we already have all the density by uh, zoning ordinance in the east that we they, that any developer could possibly want. So that it kind of sat there, that idea sat there for two or three years, and then we revised it and said, what if we traded development rights in the west for FAR in the east? Several people said, wait, wait, wait. First of all, it takes us out of visibility of the board. That's true. Second of all, why would we create a program that helps the west by hurting the east with more FAR, which is a very valid discussion and point. But that, and, and what, to which I think we'd probably be 9-0 if we took a vote on it, that we agree we're not going to help the West by hurting the East. That's not going to happen. However, if you look into an East-to-East -East transfer, there is also the possibility of a, of a fairly radically revised TDR program whereby areas that are developing data centers in the East could purchase development rights somewhere else in the East to cause them not to develop where we don't want them and develop where we can tolerate them or we want them. I'll give you a radical example. This is Mike Turner pontificating it. It's not the board's uh, idea, but I don't want data centers and power lines along Route 7. And if we have a discussion that we could create a cutting edge campus of data centers in Dulles Cloud South and create a market incentive whereby the uh, data centers would give up their development rights along Route 7 to build in Dulles Cloud South, I would be very interested in that discussion. Can we make it work? I have tried a dozen different ways and I can't figure out how to make it work. I don't know if a TDR program is the answer in this situation. What I know is in three years, if we don't do something, Eastern Loudoun County is gonna be wall-to-wall -wall data center and wall-to-wall -wall power lines. We have to manage this problem, and I want our toolbox full of all the tools that we can get. So I would like to just see a market analysis of, is a TDR program of any kind even feasible in Loudoun County? And that's all this does. Let's get a market analysis so we know what we're dealing with here with a TDR program. Thank you, Mr. Turner. Thank you, Mr. Turner. Um, anybody? Oh, Ms. Brixman. Thank you. Um, so your proposal on Table 2 is to basically subplant Number four, the data center design standards CPAM with a TDR analysis? So while, while you think about that, um, the, listen, 
the power lines on Route 7, I think we just all have to admit that they're going to go there because we don't have any authority over Dominion. They have to pass this thing by the SCC, and that's pretty much it. We can kick and scream, our residents can kick and scream and say they don't like it and try to encourage them to bury those power lines. But those power lines are, are solving what we already is a power constraint problem. The way to have data centers go not where, have data centers not go where we don't want them is to adopt the map that economic development proposed. And that's what number three and number four are doing. So if you wanted to put something all the way down at seven or eight or down there, I, I would be fine with it. But I don't think, I, I don't love the idea of supplanting the data center remapping that, that we've been working on since 2021 with a further analysis for a TDR program. I might be mildly interested in, in learning if there's a way to do the east-to-east -east TDR situation, um, but I, I, I think adopting the maps and then doing a ZOAM after the mapping, after the CPAM is the way to go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Lacherno. Yeah, so the problem with, with the TDR discussion as it relates to data centers is I can't think of a single scenario in which we are better off with a buy right data center in any situation. Because anytime a data center has to go through a rezoning, whether it's a location that's favorable or not, the board is able to work on that application and improve it. Mm -hmm. The design standards are higher. There's sometimes profits associated with it. So I just, I don't pretend to know everything in the world, and I certainly don't, but I don't foresee any scenario in which this is going to work, in which I would rather see something go by right somewhere instead of somewhere else. And in reality, I think we've kind of, we're way past that point anyway with this. I mean, Supervisor Turner is right in that the one area that's left is Dulles Cloud South, which I don't support. So that's not going to work for me uh, as an option. Um, so, you know, this is a big project. This is a scope, scots, and timeline of TDRs in general. Um, perhaps it's the intent to make it specific to an east-to-east -east data, you know, data center-oriented thing, but that's not what the motion is, and I don't know that that's what staff's going to do. And, you know, we already have the PDR program that's higher than the data center CPAM. If we're interested in tackling the problem of data centers popping up everywhere, then we need to accelerate three and four because that's what that's directly intending to do. And all this is going to do is delay it because we're putting something above those. So I'm not going to support this. I think this is a discussion that kind of we can continue to have, but I don't think it needs to be a staff item at this point in time. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the concept that was put out there by the mayor of Middleburg is a west to east concept. Um, and that's what all the discussion's been about until the pivot that we just kind of heard about. But even then, you know, why would we want to ever give up our, our ability to deal with higher, higher density data centers? Because in all likelihood, it's not just about the location, but the, the scale, um, you know, if we don't have to. We're, we, we historically have handled these much better when they go through a process. So um, I'm, I'm not going to be supportive of, of this, this motion. Okay, thank you. Mr. Kushner? Thank you, Chair. Um, 
I actually am supportive of this. Now, where we put it in the, the, the scheme of things is obviously um, up for debate, but I do think there's a lot of value in at least looking at this. Um, and I think um, it, 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 we didn't just hear about it now. Um, um, when we had a presentation previously in TLUC, it was brought up then, and there was a lot of discussion, a lot of enthusiasm about using a, a TDR program to really benefit the East. And I think that's, and I appreciate what Mr. Turner's trying to do here, and I wholeheartedly support that. Listen, if that analysis comes back and says this is really unworkable, um, and then we can ask more questions within that analysis, I think that's really what we're trying to do here. So I think to dismiss this outright without actually taking a further look, I mean, I understand there are concerns with how it would work and how it wouldn't work, but that's the whole point of the, the analysis. Anytime we want to know information, and, and, and maybe it's going to be a tremendous boon, and maybe it's like, yeah, this is a waste of time, but I think the, the um, the suggestions that have been put out there and some of the other ways that I've seen this work, um, and this is very unique because this we are kind of dealing with data centers. There's no other place in the country that has data centers like we, we have that could potentially um, really help impact not only the West and some things, but perhaps here in the East. So I think it's well worth looking at. Um, so I support it full heartedly. I think it would be not, it would be not wise of us just to say, oh, we don't want to do this because we want to have full control when our full control is actually looking at an analysis, market-based analysis. Okay, thank you. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I'm supportive of the idea of looking further into a transfer of development rights program, TDR program. Um, I was very excited about the TLUC discussion that we recently had, and I think the key is that if, we, if we, the county ever gets to and does implement a TDR program, it has to benefit the East and the West. And I was going to be supportive of this uh, motion tonight until Supervisor Turner talked me out of it by mentioning again the Dulles C, the DCS word, <laughs> which I do absolutely do not support. And given that uh, I believe if this was to move forward, now I know it would in eventually include further discussion of the uh, Dulles Cloud South then I can't support it because I'm adamantly opposed to that and I kind of see the vision for this motion now and so I can't support the motion anymore. Um, if it was up to me, we would never discuss the idea of Dulles Cloud South again. We'd go back and erase any memories anybody has of <laughs> it ever being discussed and we'd delete it from everything that wherever it's written. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Supervisor Umstead. I think, do you want to go to Sylvia? Oh, so go to Supervisor Glass. Thank you, Vice Chair. Thank you, uh, Supervisor. I'm sorry. Um, I am not going to support this. I would align with my um, comments with uh, Supervisor Briskman um, regarding this. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little concerned about um, how big data centers would be on the east. And I think what we have now with um, with number three and number four, um, it, let, let's let's get through this first and see if we can work this out. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Rumstead. Okay, thank you, thank you Mr. Chair. Um, I will support it. Um, it. It doesn't specifically say anything about Dulles Cloud South in the text of the motion. Um, it shouldn't surprise anyone, although I, I don't enjoy horrifying my friend, uh, Supervisor Buffington, time and again, but I certainly would support looking at data centers in Dulles Cloud South, regardless of the method used to get there. But I think this has potential, whether or not it's used for 
Dulles Cloud South. Um, so I'll, I'll vote for it tonight. Okay, thank you. Uh, question to staff or, or Mr. Rogers or Hemp Street. Um, which item would get us to solve our ZRTD issue the fastest? Would that be uh, item number three and four, the data center location CPAM and data center design steering CPAM, or this uh, motion brought by Mr. Turner? I don't believe the, the TDR would address the ZRTD issue at all. So if to the, it could be three and four, but it also depends on the, the decisions made by the board when it comes to the details. Okay, well that answered my question. I will not be supporting this either um, uh, tonight, so thank you. Uh, Mr. Turner has a closing. I, am, uh, I might be able to whip two votes here as an audible, I'm more than happy to move this down to replace item number seven rather than item number four as a friendly amendment to my own motion, if that would persuade anyone. Oh, my principle, and Dulles Cloud South was my example. It doesn't have to be Dulles Cloud South. It's another tool for us to look at. It may not be viable. It may get tossed out. I agree with Supervisor Letourneau. We don't want to give data centers by right uh, options to build, which is what they have right now. So we don't want any more of that. I understand that. Uh, I just want to try and get the tool on the on the schedule somewhere. So I'm more than happy to move it into item number seven if that if that is more amenable. If uh, in fact I'll make that friendly uh, to my own amendment that that'll be item number seven instead of item number four. Everything else the same. Can I? The second was super. I'll accept that friendly. Can I make a suggest? Well, let me ask. Um, so your intention would be to replace seven, which is solar rays and make that eight and then make source water nine? Would Correct. that be your intention? Correct. Well, we'll be moving it down. Um, so why don't you just make this number nine and keep those where they are because they're both, all of them are TBD. Uh, uh, is there a question there? I'm, yeah. Uh, if we move it to number seven, I think that's, I, I think that solves the sequencing problem, doesn't it? Okay. Anywhere between five and nine, you can move it anywhere because they're all TB, TBD. All it accomplishes is it makes the TDR program, an analysis of the TDR program somewhere on DPC's work plan, which is what I'm trying to do. Okay. So you would put it on, would it be, all right. So would, it, would you rephrase your motion to state the, the number that you would like this to be? Yeah, even though they're all TBDs, they are listed in priority order. So mm -hmm. the motion would be exactly the same. I move the Board of Supervisors, revise the Department of Planning and Zoning Work Plan to add a market analysis of a transfer development rights TDR program to table two as priority number seven. I further move that the board direct staff to research the scope, cost, and timeline of utilizing a third party consultant for this project and return to the board with this information and proposed funding source prior to the December 2023 general fund balance discussion. Second. Okay, motion made by Supervisor Turner, second by Supervisor Kushner, add this to the list at number eight, which will force solar arrays down one spot and same thing with source water protection CPAM. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay, nay. nay. Uh, the nays raise your hand, please. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, that motion fails um, with the nays being Supervisor Briskman, Buffington, Sains, Glass, and Letourneau. And those in favor of the motion was Turner, Umstead, Kushner, and, and then uh, absent from the vote is Chair, Chair uh, Randall.
Okay, thank you. Any other motions for this item? Yes, there is a packet motion. Yeah, that is good. Thank you, Ms. Brixman. I'm going to see if there's any other motions from the dais, but hearing, seeing none. Um, anybody like to make the motion in the packet? I'll go ahead. <laughs> I move that the Board of Supervisors approve the current list of projects listed in tables one, two, and three, and respective project priorities, prioritization on the Department of Planning and Zoning Work Plan as identified in July 5th, 2023, Board of Supervisors Business Meeting Action Item. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, any more discussion on that? Ms. Bricksman. If I would like to ask to make a friendly that we remove the specs on firing ranges and, and uh, let the next board decide when that happens. Do we, do we need to move that? or You do not, because right now that's what the second motion is contemplating. So it's not actually incorporated into a table at this point. It's just mentioned in the narrative of the item. Okay. May I ask a question? Yes. So um, this board or the next board would have to vote for it to actually get into the DPC work plan at some point? Yes. Okay, I'm fine. I'll, I'll withdraw my uh, friendly. Okay. Thanks. Yes, Mr. Lechard. Yeah, would it, could staff provide, not now, but in, maybe just in writing with the board, a history of that discussion and that item? Because as the vice chair saying said, like that, that came about as a result of a pretty extensive discussion we had going through this issue of shooting that was occurring in houses. And one of the things we came up with was the fact that if people don't have a place to shoot, then they shoot where they're not supposed to shoot. And that's how we were ending up with houses with bullet holes. So we addressed some of that with by updating our zoning ordinance. And quite frankly, a few of us took a lot of flack for that, but we, it was the right thing. But we were supposed to, you were right, we were supposed to do this as a follow-on item to try to direct things. And it was, as I recall, I think it was actually Chair Randall and I that did this together to sort of have it as an issue. But I don't, nobody here would have that, any of that knowledge. So if you could, if you could, I'm, I don't mean, but just the history of as to why that even was an item, um, I think it would probably be helpful. Sure, we'd so, be happy to do And that. then we, could, we I mean, everybody can still decide, but at least you'd know, you know, what, what that was about. All right, Mr. Buffett. Yeah, just additional information based on my memory of that is I thought it came from two boards ago when it was part of the rural uses thing that was pushed forward that uh, we considered most of that in my first term, the last term, um, but we, we decided not to take action on, on that issue at that time, and so it got pushed. So I don't know. I look forward to your update. Thank you. Because I think we resolved the other the other issue where with yeah. homes being hit with bullets and we made it illegal to shoot someone's house. Yeah. Because yeah. really before you could shoot someone's house and it was not illegal. Yeah. Yeah. But now you can't. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> not exact, but kind of, sort of. Okay, we got a motion. That's overly simplified. All right, so we got a motion on the table. Um, who seconded the motion? Sylvia. Oh, yeah, Ms. Glass. Okay. All those in favor of motion number one, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, motion passes 801 with Chair Randall off the dais. Motion number two in the packet, I move that the Board of Supervisors add the shooting range special exception ZOAM as the fifth priority to table one of the Department of Planning and Zoning Work Plan and direct staff not to initiate work on the project until after the zoning ordinance rewrite project is complete. I'll second. Motion by myself, second by Supervisor Olmstead. Oh, uh, Ms. Brickman. Do you have a question? Or? Um, I, yes. I, I'm not, I don't have enough information right now to decide if 
I agree with putting this in the ZOAM work plan. I'm wondering if we could table it. Uh, do, do I have to make a motion for that? What do you say? I made the motion saying you want to. Oh, 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 I see. Okay, okay. <laughs> All this is just putting it in the plan, but they're going to come back to us, like Supervisor Laterno mentioned, give a history and all that stuff. So I would say talk to staff, get the update and the history, and then it'll come okay. to us. Okay. All right. We'll, thank you. We'll dive into it. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Buffington. Yeah, I'd rather wait till we get the history and then decide on something like this. So for now, I'm a no. Miss uh, <laughs> <laughs> Laterno. All right. I, I don't really care if we table it and take it back. Uh, I was trying to make the point that, you know, for some of people right. that weren't part of this. I'll, I'll withdraw this motion. Staff, can we get an update on this for everybody and then bring this back later on? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, thank you. All right, so we got that motion done. This is item number six is complete. It is 442 now. Uh, Mr. Chairman. Yes. If it's the board's pleasure, Mr. Brewer and his uh, wife are here if you want to do his resolution. Oh, okay, yes, let's do that now then. Yes, thank you. Uh, come on down, anybody that's here for the special presentation for, for Mr. Brewer, your family, friends. Come on down, please. And Alexi, Mr. Hemstreet, you can draw me down front. Level. All right, good evening. We're here to present Mr. Brewer his uh, resolution for your service to our county and to the Commonwealth as a whole. We appreciate you and thank you for your service. And I'll let Mr. Hemstreet uh, read the resolution here and then we'll have you do some comments. <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Brewer, I'm happy for you for this day, <laughs> but not necessarily for the county. So as, uh, as uh, Mr. Saints has asked, I'm going to go ahead and read the resolution for you. But uh, in appreciation of Alan Brewer, whereas Alan Brewer began his service to Loudoun County in 2000 as an environmental health supervisor in the health department. He then served as assistant director of the Department of General Services and will retire from his position as director of the Department of Building and Development on July 31, 2023. Whereas during his tenure with Loudoun County, Mr. Brewer has demonstrated unwavering leadership in the areas of strategic environmental policy, water and wastewater infrastructure, energy conservation, watershed planning and protection, program auditing, grant management, and customer service. Whereas Mr. Brewer serving as director of the Department of Building and Development provided oversight for land development, planning and engineering, natural resource protection, building code permitting and enforcement, and the department's business operations. Whereas, as director of the Department of Building Development, he has acknowledged the critical public safety nature of the built environment and the importance it has for those who live and work in our community. In everything he has done for the citizens of our community, he has applied the traits of honesty, ethical behavior, and compassionate servant leadership. 
Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors recognizes Alan Brewer for his outstanding service and his retirement as director of the Department of Building and Development. Now, before I let you have some comments, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your most favorite or important item that you've worked on in your, in your career here? Um, <clears throat> thank you, Mr. Sains. I would say establishing the county's water and wastewater uh, program at that the the sort of the well, let me, how that came about was uh, homes in the county that did not have indoor plumbing adequate uh, water and sewer systems um, some of you may recall the Willisville project and as a result of identifying that problem uh, we established that program that you all support so it helps uh, communities that are don't have the basic needs that we all enjoy most of us enjoy every day so I think that program um, is had a very significant impact to the community but there there are a lot of wonderful opportunities that the county gave me and I'm very appreciative for that uh, I just wouldn't thank the board for your support over the years um, you've been a, a very supportive uh, board and mr. Hemstreet for all the opportunities that you gave me um, I think it really helped me grow my career. Definitely the staff, I know the board mentions uh, all the time how great the staff is here. 100% uh, agree with that. The best, best staff uh, in the country, in my opinion. And to my wife and my family for the support that they've given me over the years. So thank you. So what is your, your what's the next chapter for you? This is like a, <laughs> uh, fishing, spending time with family, and probably some volunteer work. So, awesome. that's good. And, and man, what are you looking forward to with having him now uh, retired? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's an adjustment, right? Yeah, it is. Here. It is. It'll be an adjustment for him to be around all the time. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But thank you. Thank you. Well, let's get a, get a group picture here. Okay, we will uh, now be right into closed session for one, two, and three by Vice Chair Umstead this evening.
I move that the Board of Supervisors recess this public meeting and enter into closed session pursuant to section 2.2-3711A8 and A29 to consult with legal counsel and staff pertaining to the negotiation of an agreement pertaining to the Ravana at Innovation Station Development involving the expenditure of public funds where discussion and open session would adversely affect the bargaining position of the county. And this is countywide. Closed session number two, which is part of this combined motion, is I move that the Board of Supervisors recess this public meeting and enter into closed session pursuant to sections 2.2-3711A8 and A29 of the Code of Virginia to consult with legal counsel pertaining to the negotiation of a collective bargaining agreement where public funds are being expended and where negotiations in open session would adversely affect the bargaining position of the county, countywide. And I further move closed session number three, that the Board of Supervisors recess this public meeting and enter into closed session pursuant to section 2.2-3711A3 of the Code of Virginia to consider disposition of a parcel of property in the Algonquian Election District. All right, motion made by Supervisor Umstead, second by Supervisor Brisbane to go into closed session for one, two, and three. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, motion will pass 801. Thank you. We're in closed session.
All right. <clears throat> I move that the closed session. Wait, 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 wait. You haven't come back yet. All right, we're back from closed session. <laughs> I move that the closed session be adjourned, that the Board of Supervisors reconvene its public meeting, that the minutes of the public meeting should reflect that no formal action was taken in the closed session, and further move that the resolution certifying the closed session be adopted and re reflected in the minutes of this public meeting. All right, motion made by Supervisor Umstead, second by Supervisor Buffington. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Uh, motion passed 801. Chair Reno off the dice. Uh, please affirm, aye. Mr. Letourneau. Affirm. 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 Affirmed. Affirm. All right, thank you. And we'll go right into public uh, session. We have a few speakers signed up while we were in closed session. So we'll start with uh, those who signed up at first. Um, if you're in the room when I call your name, please come down to the podium that's the closest to you. Uh, we have Shane Crow, followed by Nicole Acosta, followed by Jennifer Montgomery, followed by Nicole Morris. Okay, go ahead, Shane. Good evening. Good evening. Um, I believe over the past few months, we've gotten to know each other over these past several public comments. Um, we have some good news to bring from Arlington, but before I get to that, I hope that y'all had a wonderful 4th of July. And with Independence Day still in recent memory, I would like a principal from the revolution to hover over my testimony that we celebrate the 4th of July in good part because we as Americans rejected the concept of virtual representation proposed by the British government. But now on to Arlington, which made some headwinds here in Virginia as being the first locality to use ranked choice voting in an election, in this case a primary. And here are some few takeaways that we have from that. Um, first, the election ran smoothly, and Arlington Office of Elections will be an invaluable resource to other interested localities. We'd like to give a huge shout out to Gretchen Reinmeier, Director of Arlington County Elections, for her dedication toward, and now success for, overseeing the first state-run ranked choice voting election in the history of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Second, the voters in neighboring Arlington understood how to use their ballots. Anecdotal evidence suggests that voters found the process simple and were pleased with their ability to use it. On top of that, there were no ranked choice voting related complaints made to the Department of Elections on election day, zero. Third, and perhaps most impressive, the results were more representative than they would have been without ranked choice voting. Voters were split nearly 50-50 on a current debate in Arlington over residential zoning, which Arlingtonians have dubbed the missing middle issue. The election results revealed that nearly half of the votes in the first round went toward anti-missing middle candidates, and nearly the other half went toward pro-missing middle candidates. And ranked choice voting delivered one candidate from each camp because the candidates of similar ideologies did not split the vote between themselves. Had the counting of the ballots stopped at the first round, which is what the traditional primary system would have done, both seats would have gone toward the two candidates most critical of the missing middle policies, leaving nearly 50% of Arlingtonians with no representation at all. And fourth, to finish out, the only negative feedback from voters came from after the unofficial results were released on Friday and focused on the more complicated tabulation method needed to run a multi-winner race. Um, these can be alleviated through further voter education, but here in Loudoun would not be a factor con to consider since our board elects its members through single-winner elections. So I hope these results have been very informative, and I thank you all very much for y'all's time. All right, thank you. Uh, next, we have a Cole Acosta, followed by Jennifer Montgomery, followed by Nicole Morris, followed by Andreas Urab. Good evening. Hi, I'm Nicole Acosta, President and CEO of the Community Foundation for Loudoun and Northern Fauquier Counties. I'm here today to express support for the staff's recommendation and item four regarding the in-med closure 
to amend eligibility for the ARPA child care fee reduction program in a way that would make the families impacted by in-meds closure able to utilize those funds for their kids' summer camps. When we first received notice of in-meds closure four weeks ago, the Community Foundation served as a convener, bringing together our nonprofits, funders, and the county to work together to make sure that the vulnerable families in-meds served don't fall through the cracks. What happened with the suddenness of in-meds closure and the impact it had on the families they served is a sad and truly unfortunate event in our community. But if anything positive came out of this experience, it demonstrated the creativity, nimbleness, and collab collaborative spirit of our nonprofit community to make sure that we provide for those in need. In less than three weeks, Northern Virginia Family Service created four staff positions to hire a group of the laid off in-med staff so there are some service continuity provided to the families throughout the rest of the summer. To fund that initiative, we formed a funding collaborative between the Claude Moore Charitable Foundation, 100 Women Strong, and the Community Foundation to provide $24,000 in grants to NVFS to pay for those positions. And the Latin Human Services Network wanted to make sure that the families served by InMen knew we were here for them. So they held a family resource fair last week at Women Giving Back. More than 130 families showed up at the fair and 28 nonprofits and county agencies were there to connect with them about their services. I want to also thank Megan Cox and the finance and budget team for working with our local nonprofits to gather information regarding the child care and summer camp costs and needs in order to put this item together so quickly. We've all come together and worked hard over the last three weeks to provide whatever resources we can to fill the gaps for the families this summer. Your approval of the amended child care fee reduction program eligibility requirements would be a significant contribution to that effort. With that, I'll close with two final thoughts. First, this closure really highlighted the need for us to have a bigger conversation regarding the gaps for childcare and services for youth in our community. And we look forward to working on that together. And second, I'm proud to live and work in a county where our nonprofits, government agencies, and philanthropy all come together when there's a need for the families in our community. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next is Jennifer Montgomery, followed by Nicole Morris, followed by Andreas Ubrey, followed by uh, Casal Cancer. Hello, Jennifer. Hi. Um, happy Fourth of July. Hello to everyone. My name is Jennifer Montgomery. I am the immediate past chair of the Loudoun Human Services Network, and I am here this evening to speak on behalf of the network. The LHSN is a coalition of 50 human service nonprofits serving the residents of Loudoun County. LHSN is in support of the staff's request to provide an exception to Loudoun County's eligibility criteria for the ARPA Child Care Fee Reduction Program, that's a mouthful, um, to include low-income families. We've all been very concerned about the families and children who were being served through in-med summer and after-school programming. Access to good quality child care is essential for working families. According to the United Way Alice reports, the median yearly cost for school-aged childcare in Loudoun County is around $9,300 a year. In fact, a recent analysis found that among household costs, including housing, transportation, and groceries, childcare prices have historically grown the fastest out of essential household costs, and they're only continuing to grow. As Nicole mentioned, LHSN hosted a successful resource fair last week for the families, and we were really pleased to have several county partners alongside of us helping to stitch up the hole left in the safety net by InMed's closure. We're grateful to the funders with the Community Foundation, Hunter Women Strong, Claude Moore, and now we're appealing to the county to help amend the eligibility requirements and to supply emergency funds to help support the summer camp and after school needs. 
No one sector can fully address the childcare issue, but by working together in a collaborative, multi-sector approach, nonprofits, the government, and the private sector, we can make a difference for the families in Loudoun this summer and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we have Nicole Morris, followed by Andreas Jubra, followed by Consal Kinsera, followed by Taj Butt. Hi, good evening, Board of Supervisors. My name is Nicole Morris, and I reside in Sterling. I'm the Executive Director of Women Giving Back, a nonprofit also located in Sterling. Um, but today I come here on behalf of the Loudoun Human Services Network, where I serve as the Vice Chair. Um, as you heard from my colleagues, Loudoun Human Services Network is a coalition of more than 50 nonprofits committed to serve vulnerable county residents. The, close, the closure of InMed was a shock and a loss to the nonprofit community, but also to the Latino community in Sterling and Leesburg. Shortly after hearing about the closure InMed of InMed, the Community Foundation of Loudoun and Northern Fauquier counties and the Loudoun Human Services Network formed a special task force of service providers and funders to fill the most immediate service gaps for the families that would be impacted by this closure. On behalf of the LHSN, I am here to support the staff recommendations on item four to allocate $200,000 of the ARPA child care fee um, and also to provide an exception to the eligibility criteria um, for the in-med families. The $200,000 of ARPA to go toward Northern Virginia Family Services who has taken on a, the displaced in-med staff to help with the transition of services for the in-med families. These are staff members that the in-med families have trusted and have developed a relationship with them. Um, so this, um, for Northern Virginia Family Services to take on InMed um, is, is a great impact to the Sterling and Leesburg families that they're, they've been supporting all these years. Um, we will, I wanna thank the county staff, especially Megan Cox for turning around this uh, recommendation so quickly and for participating in, um, in the meetings as well and really trying to get a good understanding of what the needs are um, during um, the last month or so. Um, our, we are so proud of the strong collaborative network of nonprofits that came together, faith-based organizations and the government partners um, to ensure that these families are getting, given the services that they need for the summer and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have Andreas Yubra, followed by Consal Cancera, followed by Taj Butt. Hi everyone, my name is Andreas Uribe. Uh, and it's an honor to be here. I want to say I appreciate and thank you for considering helping the families of Inman out as well as my fellow staff members. To say we were uh, shocked and sad doesn't know just explain our feelings. Every day we love our job and met and helped the families who depend on us. For weeks, um, have been sad and angry, but more than that, determined to make a difference. My team of staff never knew or had anything to do with the ending, and we only care about the families. Over the last week, um, it has been heartwarming, uh, how, sorry, heartwarming to see how many organizations gathered around to us to support us. Today, I, we came back from a full day of camp um, 
on the last week's Stafford account and also sold the uh, art for the children's in this weekend in a winery. The families of Inmet are still the biggest part of my life. As a Latino, there is a gap of need in London County. I love where I live and I will do anything I need to do to support and keep this family safe and available to connect to its resource. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next we have Consol Consera, followed by Taj Butt, followed by Vendu Matawan. Good evening, everyone. My name is Koshal Kinsara. Uh, I live in Leesburg, and I'm here to reiterate the need of uh, cricket grounds, uh, considering the growing uh, demand of cricket as a sport. Uh, historically speaking, like up until, up until Civil War, and you can search it up on Wikipedia as well, cricket was pretty popular sport in the United States, and then uh, even George Washington and Abraham Lincoln played or watched the cricket match. The first international match was here in the United States. It was played in New York. So fast forward almost 200 years. Uh, I moved here. I w I'm living here since about 17 years. And now our next generation is ready to play cricket. We have about 60 adult teams in Loudoun County Cricket League. And we have practically speaking, two real cricket grounds in the region. The others are hybrid, which are either converted or they are other sports are being played and cricket as a second priority. So considering 60 teams and not a single youth league here in our county or run by LCCL or PRCS, we do need more cricket grounds. We can have at least another 60 teams just of youth cricket and not counting the adult leagues. We had 102 teams registered. Each team has about 30 players. So we have 60 teams out of those 102 teams. We still have about 1,200 players left out who are not playing. Uh, and we are not counting youth in, in this at all. If we had the youth league, there'll be another 60 teams. Right now, the next generation, speaking of myself, my son plays cricket. He's seven-year-old and he's, he loves cricket. We have to travel two hours to Maryland to play the cricket. So if the game is at 9 o'clock, we, we have to wake up at 6 o'clock or maybe 5 o'clock, leave at 6.30, and one and a half hour, two hour drive to Bowie to play cricket for youth. And that those young kids, we have to take them to play there. And it's not fair to them. And that's, far, that's why we do need more grounds here so our kids can play here. Thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to speak here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next, we have Taj Bhatt, followed by Vendu Matawan, followed by uh, Takar Khalid. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, first of all, thank you to the committee for giving me an opportunity to speak here. Um, I'm. My name is Taj Bhatt. I'm president of American National Cricket League, um, which is registered in um, Leedsburg and is a nonprofit organization. Um, there's been a lot of talk about cricket ground in Loudoun County, Loudoun County, and uh, and I think Loudoun County has done done a lot of good work in previous years to to bring a lot of grounds here. Um, but I think um, the, the issue. Um, 
issue it more more than the cricket ground at this point. Uh, uh, what 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 I'm what I'm trying to do is I will try to explain you a little bit of structure here, what's going on in Loudoun County, and uh, and that will that will slightly explain to you guys uh, to the committee that why 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 do we need more cricket ground at this point? So um, so right now we have. Um, three kind of crickets which are going on in Loudoun County. One is the tennis ball leagues, um, then we have uh, youth leagues, and then, then we have tournaments which are basically done on the weekends or, or whenever the, uh, there's no scheduling conflict with the tennis ball leagues and, uh, um, and the youth cricket leagues. Um, so Loudoun County runs its own tennis ball league which has about 70, 70 plus teams at this point. And all the grounds which we have right now in Loudoun County, they are pretty much booked up for that league. Um, in, addition to, in addition to the tennis ball league and the youth league, there are three additional hardball leagues um, which, are, which are played in the area and that's where, um, that's where a lot of uh, scheduling conflicts are coming up. We, with the hard for the for the hardball leagues, uh, county has been unable to give us uh, scheduling where we where we can run our leagues uh, during the season, which starts in April and and sometime in September. So, um, so in addition to the grounds, we 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 county does need to figure out a scheduling conflict where they can provide more time to the hardball leagues so they can come in and run their league in Loudoun County. And most of the players for all these three leagues, which are around here, um, you know, most of the players, they live in Loudoun County area. They're in Sterling, you know, Ashburn, and all around the area. Thank, so, thank, thank you, sir. Your, your time is up. But if you have more comments, you can please uh, email us or give your comments to the, to the clerk, and we'll get your, your full comments. So thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't hear you, sir. Your, your time is up. Okay. If you have more comments, you can leave them with the clerk or send us an email. All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Next, we have Vandud Matawan, followed by uh, Takira, uh, Takir uh, Khalid, and our last speaker, Sadeep Devalad. And forgive me if I'm pronouncing your names incorrectly. Good evening. My name is Vinod Motwani. It is a little bit of a tongue twister, I can imagine. Uh, and I live in uh, Ashburn, and I play cricket in the Loudoun County Cricket League. Uh, five is the number of cricket fields we have in Loudoun County, of which three are dedicated cricket fields. The other two are available for cricket only when uh, other sports like soccer are not being played on them. Zero is the number of batting cages we have available for cricket practice. Sixty is the number of teams that play in the Loudoun County Cricket League, which is an adult league. 102 is the number of teams that registered for the fall league of the Loudoun County Cricket League. 42 is the number of teams that will not be able to play in the Loudoun County Cricket League in this fall. Zero is the number of youth teams that play in Loudoun County. And 1,100 is the number of youth players that played in Washington, the Washington Cricket League's uh, Washington Cricket Youth League in 2022, in the fall of 2022. So obviously we need to build more cricket fields. Uh, there was a meeting recently in uh, Middleburg, and one of the uh, concerns of the Middleburg residents was that there would be 200 cars per game, and that, that number is actually inaccurate. There are 11 players per team, two teams, that makes it 22 players, two umpires, that's 24 uh, 
people that go to a game. Assuming everyone, no one carpools and everyone drives on their own, that's 24 uh, cars per game. Three fields means 72 uh, cars at the most. And uh, we, we all wish that our spouses and kids would come and watch us play, but they all seem to be happy just to have us out of the house. So we, we get almost no spectators for any of our games to add to the traffic. So uh, the, the weekend farmer's market, in fact, at uh, Gilbert's Corner attracts a lot more people. And I love that farmer's market. I go there all the time. So hopefully we're not talking about shutting that down because of the traffic uh, issues we have. Uh, just one last thing. We have a lot of baseball fields in uh, Loudoun County, if you've been around, especially Brambleton West Park, which is also where the Cricket League actually started in 2009 with five teams. And we've grown to a state where we have 102 teams signing up now. So hopefully, you know, maybe some of those uh, fields can be converted to cricket fields. You know, that would help solve the problem as well because a lot of those fields I see are not utilized anymore. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Uh, next we have uh, Takir uh, Khalid, followed by Sadeep uh, Dervaldi. Um, good evening. My name is Takir Khalid. I live in Bremerton, Virginia. And I'm here to kind of talk about the growth of cricket. I'm representing the Virginia cricket, which is primarily focused on the youth cricket growth in this Loudoun County area. And again, you know, to take it, taking it further, what Vinod just said it about the number of teams, number of grounds available and all that kind of a thing. I don't want to go into repeating those numbers and figures on the ground players and all that kind of a thing. What the problem we are facing at this point of time the lack of fields. Uh, in last recent years, Loudoun County went ahead and built a Henson Park. And the, well, how should I put it out there, that they end up putting a 12 soccer fields, uh, you know, four baseball diamonds, but only one cricket field. So demographically speaking, there is a huge community from Southeast Asia who born with cricket, you know. Whenever kids start kind of walking, we end up giving them cricket bat and cricket ball. So it's just like a baseball or American football for our kids. So basing on that, our kids love to play cricket, what their parents uh, grow up playing and watching on TV and all those kind of things. So we are requesting that uh, county to look into it to providing us more cricket field for our youth ahead. Uh, I want to bring attention on one of the area where the Loudoun Cricket uh, League started. The Loudoun Cricket County League started with five teams in spring 2009, and games were played on the Bremerton West Park baseball fields. LCCL has now grown to 60 teams with 42 teams. 60 team with 42 teams on a wait list. When Bremerton West Park was uh, undergone improvement, we asked if we could get a couple of cricket field there since the park was historically significant for the cricket league. But PRCS had other plans. Can we convert all four of the Bremerton West baseball fields to cricket fields? That would give us four more cricket field in the Bremerton area and preserve the history of Loudoun Cricket County League. Let me finish with this. We need to build more cricket field Thank in Loudoun County. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. 
Uh, next, we have Sandeep uh, Durrell, who I believe is our last speaker. Good evening, everyone. My name is Sandeep Duwala. I live in Aldi, and I play uh, Loudoun Cricket League. Uh, so I just want to reiterate what Vinod and Takir uh, has uh, requested about the additional cricket grounds. Uh, and I don't want to go with the numbers because uh, we have already talked about it. And uh, there are uh, five uh, is a number of cricket fields in the, in the, in the county of which only three are dedicated cricket fields. And there are uh, 60 teams playing for Loudoun uh, County, and each team has a roster of 25 players. And uh, there are 1,100 a number of youth players playing uh, Washington Youth Cricket League. And uh, I have two, two, two sons, 11-year-old uh, and a 13-year-old, who play uh, cricket. And their dream is to play for USA Cricket team uh, one day. And, uh, in Loudoun County, there are uh, three, around three cricket academies training uh, youth uh, kids uh, from uh, five years to uh, 17, 18 year old. Uh, they are all getting trained. And they are playing active cricket, but they, again, they have to travel all the way to Maryland to play their games in the weekends. We do have a couple of uh, beautiful fields in Loudoun County, but they are dedicated to the uh, adult uh, cricket, not for the youth cricket. So what we lack here is, uh, you know, dedicated cricket fields, uh, 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 high-quality cricket fields for youth cricket, so that they can play, they can continue with their passion, and uh, you know, uh, live the dream of playing for USA cricket one day. So, so I just want to finish and uh, emphasize that we need to build more cricket fields in Loudoun County. Thank you. Uh, thank you, and thank you to all our speakers who came out and, and spoke to us today regarding issues that are near and dear to your heart. We really appreciate it. All right next. On our agenda, we have item number four, recommendations to support families displaced by in-med uh, closure. The staff for that item want to come forward, please. Good evening. You want to give us the, the presentation when you are ready. Okay. Well, thank you to um, Vice Chair, excuse me, Vice Chair Sains and members of the board. The purpose of this item is to provide staff recommendations to offer temporary support for the families negatively impacted by the NMED closure. As you are all aware, NMED ceased services on June 7th and has closed its Sterling location. This item provides the board two recommendations. The first is to amend eligibility criteria for the ARPA Child Care Fee Reduction Program to include families making 80% AMI or below and authorize staff to support summer camp funding for families negatively impacted by the NMED closure. The second is to reallocate $102,453.33 from the Human Service Nonprofit Grant Program to Legacy Farms and Independence Center of Northern Virginia. For the summer camp recommendation, the board passed the ARPA Child Care Fee Reduction Program on February 21st, 2023, as part of the remaining 7.5 million allocation from the state and local fiscal recovery funds. Currently, the fund has 1 million allocated to support families who are in the gap between the 85% state median income, which is the expanded child care subsidy um, program, and 80% area median income in Loudoun County for child care services. Staff recommend that the language approved on February 21st be amended for this one-time use 
to support the families whose services were displaced as a result of the NMED service secession. Based on staff's uh, analysis and communication with former NMED staff, multiple nonprofits, and others, uh, we are recommending that $200,000 be reallocated and distributed to Northern Virginia Family Services to support up to 100 slots for um, an average of two weeks for summer camp and a small amount to support uh, coordination and registration for families. Currently, NVFS is employing four former NMED staff to transition families to other services, and staff have requested a detailed budget from NVFS that outlines the number of slots, weeks, and coordination needed. NVFS will coordinate services in summer camps for the displaced children and work with summer camp providers in cases where additional slots may be required. Additional camps or additional camps may need to be set up. There are also bilingual services that may need to be provided for um, camps that don't have bilingual staff. The Human Service Nonprofit Grant Funding Recommendation is based on the April 18th, 2023 Board Recommendation for Funding for the amount of $102,453.33 to be granted to NMED. With the secession of services, NMED's grant is now unallocated. According to the board's approved process of proportional allocation based on application scores, staff recommend that the next highest scoring organizations be allocated those funds. Those organizations are Legacy Farms and Independence Center of Northern Virginia. The table on page seven pre presents those recommend, recommended allocations. The recommendation preserves the board's approved process for the Human Service Nonprofit Grant Program and allocates funds according to that process. So with that, we will take any questions. Okay, uh, Ms. Brixman. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair Sains. Um, so this caught my attention, of course, because I've been worried about this issue for a really, really long time. Um, and you know that was the reason I brought the child care initiative. So you answered one of my questions. This is just for the first million that we were talking about. That first million, were we thinking it would be expended after the child care needs assessment? So the first million is allocated um, and we are working on a, a competitive grant program um, okay. for nonprofits to administer those funds. Okay, so you were working on a grant program, so now you're taking $200,000 out of that grant program. That's yes. the recommendation. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, another question I had is the programs that are going to replace the programs uh, that EdMed was offering. And by the way, it's heartbreaking that they were uh, that they shut down. Um, part of my concern when I was reading this was that the families don't have to go all over the county to access services. So I think you're looking at, they were looking at YMCA over there in Great Falls Chase, which sounded good. Do our families going to have to travel a lot? And then my second question was, will the, <coughs> excuse me, programming be um, culturally appropriate with language? And it sounds like you've hired four people at least so that there will be some continuity in the in the language and the the uh, cultural sensitivity to the to the patrons, but are they going to have to be be driving all over to access services? Uh, so um, I can answer the first question uh, as a result of the task force meetings uh, for the nonprofits hosted by LHSN. We are working with the YMCA to secure and other organizations, but um, specifically they are mentioned in the. 
um, in the item for locations that are closest to Sterling. So okay. the transport transportation will be less of an issue. Okay, all right, that, that's that's really good to hear. And then um, we're, we're allocating some funds now that won't be allocated to them through our grant process. That's about $102,000, I think you said. Why can that not be used um, to plug the holes in the sinking ship? I have a feeling it's because of our grant process rules. Yes, so with our grant process, um, because it was a competitive application process, okay. um, our recommendation would be to go to the next um, highest scoring eligible um, okay. organization. Okay. Um, and then do we have any other unallocated funds because InMed has closed down? Were, they, were there any other unallocated funds that weren't spent that are kind of be coming back to the county that we'll have to reallocate? So we are working with the county attorney's office on that, and um, we have not discovered that there are any funds that we would receive back um, as a result of InMed's closure. Most of the funds were expended, okay. um, and we are working with the county attorney's office on that. Okay. All right. Um, I, uh, I'm supportive of this, obviously. I mean, we have to put out the fire and keep the boat afloat. Um, I'm going to have a motion after this motion so that staff can go look at a way to replenish that $1 million for the grant process because I, I believe that the, the ARPA funds, well, I can say this in my motion, but we, we're not progressing if we're just plugging holes in a ship, right? So I want to keep that money there to be, for the progress. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Ms. Somerset. <clears throat> thank you. And thank you for coming up with a solution. Um, I'd like to follow up that one Supervisor Brisbane's question about um, expended funds. You said that the funds that had been allocated or given to InMed had been expended. You did not say whether it was in compliance with the original source requirements, the federal requirements. Is that something the county attorney is looking into? Uh, we are looking into that, but according to staff reports and communication logs, the um, InMed is, is fully compliant with the federal ARPA regulations, and they have expended the fiscal year 23 allocation um, sure. without receiving the 24 allocation. Very good. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, seeing no other comments. Well, actually, I have one. Um, you know, this is kind of a hard, hard one, but because you never foresee when somebody will close their doors, but is there any mechanism that staff is thinking about or procedures to maybe try to prevent something like this or get a more heads up if something like this was to happen again where an organization closes doors right away? And part of our goal, um, and we, we have this with the Human Services Nonprofit Grant Program, is to ensure that the county is not providing more than 30% of um, an organization's operating costs. Um, so we want to make sure that we incorporate that with all of our grant programs, inclusive of any type of additional CDBG, ARPA funding, and so forth. Okay, and do we have any more details to share that about what happened here in this, in this case? No, no, we don't. The only information that we have relative to their closure is um, basically what they stated, um, and it was due to financial reasons. Okay. 
Yes, go ahead, Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Chairman. Uh, the reason I ask is because you just mentioned that 30%. And currently, are we already pro are we providing more than that? Is this going to be a huge change to going forward, or? No, for our human services nonprofit grant process, that um, requirement is already there. Okay. We want to make sure that we include that for inclusive of all different grant programs that we administer. Thanks. Okay. Seeing no other commentary, I will go ahead and read the motion. Move that the Board of Supervisors approve amended eligibility criteria for the ARPA child care fee reduction program to include families making 80% AMI or below and authorize staff to support summer camp funding for families neg negatively impacted by NMAG closure. I further move that the Board of Supervisors approve the re reallocation of $102,453.33 from the Human Services Nonprofit Grant Program to increase Legacy Farmers Grant funding by $35,760 and fund Independent Center of Northern Virginia Incorporated the amount of and uh, $666,693.33. Second. All right, motion made by myself, second by Supervisor Umstead. Uh, no questions, no commentary. All in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes 801 with Chair Randall absent. Uh, thank you. And I believe Ms. Brisbane, you have a motion? I do. Uh, thank you, uh, Vice Chair Sains. I move that the Board of Supervisors direct staff to evaluate the need to replenish funds reallocated from the ARPA Child Care Fee Reduction Program and include this as part of the discussion of the FY 2023 fund balance. Second. Motion made by, made by Supervisor Brisbane, second by Supervisor Umstead. Ms. Brisbane. Thank you. So as I started to say earlier, <laughs> um, we absolutely need to work on affordable, quality, reliable child care um, for, for all of our families in, in the county. Um, and what this motion does is it puts back the money, hopefully later, we'll have to vote on it again when staff comes back with a solution to put that 200000 back into the fee reduction program. Um, the idea behind the initiative that I put together with the, for the ARPA funds and with NACO was to have progress on child care, not to put out fires. And I believe that is the reason the Biden administration put that provision in the ARPA funding so that we could do pilot programs and think of creative ways um, to help our families get back to work. Um, and I've probably said this a million times, but two-thirds of the people who lost their jobs during COVID were women, mainly because of childcare issues. Um, childcare now costs more than college every year. We rely on our school system instead of quality childcare. We patch it together with our families. Um, we have a lot of women who aren't in the workforce because they don't have affordable, quality, reliable childcare. So it is an issue that hopefully we are all now well aware of, and um, I look forward to staff coming, provided that my colleagues agree, um, I look forward to staff coming uh, back to uh, tell us how to replenish that million-dollar fund because my heart broke a little bit when this money was, was coming out of it. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not saying we don't need to, obviously I voted yes, we need to do this, those families need the support, but um, I'd like to see the program funded as it, as it was originally proposed. Thank you. Okay. 
votes. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? The motion passes 801 with Chair Randolph Dice. I believe that is our last action item of this evening. Thank you. Uh, so now we'll go into board comments and, and uh, disclosures. Uh, Supervisor Letourneau. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair Saints. Um, disclosures on June 26th, my staff met with Mark Baker of Bowman and David Buxbaum of TA Realty to discuss ZCPA 2022-0011 Loudoun West. Um, in terms of regional updates, I'm sure you saw um, Metro's fiscal cliff discussion um, that I kind of previewed last time we were here. Uh, we've since rolled all that information out. Um, I think at some point we may want to have a, a full kind of board discussion about this so everybody can be fully aware of it. But um, essentially it's a $750 million fiscal cliff. It rises to about a billion dollars. Um, one interesting piece of it is that at the beginning of COVID, um, due to the uncertainty that all the governments had and the fact that Metro was receiving assistance, we, we saw much less ridership. Um, we actually provided relief on the subsidy that each jurisdiction paid. Um, <clears throat> so that total amount equals about $200 million of the $750 million fiscal cliff. Um, and it did result in us accelerating that cliff um, a little bit more. So uh, we've certainly, uh, begun working on this problem. Um, Supervisor Turner, I don't know if you're planning on attending WTC, but Randy Clark's gonna be there tomorrow night for a pretty robust discussion on this. And uh, I'm sure he's gonna make his way through the region and have engagement with all the different board members, but I'm happy to talk to everybody here um, about all of that. And finally, uh, we definitely do need more cricket pitches. Um, I've had some discussions with Steve Torpy about it. Obviously, I'm aware of the discussion happening regarding one particular location, but um, it's, a, it's a broader problem. Um, it is not just cricket. Uh, we also have shortages of other sports as well. Um, and, you know, the, there is a need even for baseball fields in the part of the county that was being discussed, uh, especially in the, in the spring season. So it's, it's across the board. Um, hopefully, we can address that. I think uh, it's only in recent you know, times that we've even begun building cricket fields here, and we definitely should and um, should look for some ways to do that. I have a few ideas um, of some property um, that uh, maybe we can pursue. So uh, just wanted to acknowledge the speakers on that topic. Um, and speaking of childcare, I'm going to go relieve my wife from picking up a kid since we're ending early. So I mean, no disrespect to anybody, but um, I'm going to um, head out. Bye. All right. Thank you, Ms. Glass. Thank you, Vice Chair Sainz. Uh, I have one disclosure on Monday, June 26th. I met with Matt Holbrook of St. John's Properties to discuss Ashburn Crossing development. Uh, for a regional update, I um, attended NVRC on June 22nd, and we had as one of the presenters our own Buddy Riser, who is the, um, who's the uh, chair of North Virginia Educa Economic Development Alliance. And he had discussed um, the, the role of EDA for um, Northern Virginia, and um, actually their budget is $250,000. Um, so uh, different localities give the money. And so what the purpose is is that um, uh, Northern Virginia competes with other regions of the country um, regarding economic development, and we are trying to bring in our businesses here. And so... Um, that is um, a way that they do it, that they all work together so that um, 
we can have um, a better economy in our region. So it was uh, very informative. Um, I also um, went to um, the Anasuda Community Kitchens um, at Dallas Town Center um, where they had a uh, ribbon cutting. Um, it, I'm excited that this nonprofit will serve as a resource to um, those who are in need of, um, of, uh, uh, of food. Um, it, was, it was just a wonderful event and glad to be a part of that. Last week also held two town hall meetings uh, for Ashburn Village and Ashby Ponds. I had really good discussions with the communities about uh, their issues and the, um, we discussed the different projects that were going around um, in their areas and um, I received a lot of um, feedback uh, from the community and that's it. Thank okay, Thank you. Thank you, Chair. In terms of mandatory disclosures, on June 15th, I met with Mark Baker and David Buxbaum about the Loudon West application, and on June 22nd, met with Walsh Kalushi about the Hiddenwood Assemblage rezoning application. Um, I just want to wish everybody back from a great holiday weekend, and I thought I'd share just a little bit of history. Um, a little quote from John Adams. It was on July 3rd, 1970, or 17, excuse me, 1776. <laughs> he wrote a letter to his wife, Abigail, telling her that our new nation has finally declared its independence. As he discussed the significance of the event, he said the following. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. You will think me transported from with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain the, this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that end is more than worth all the, all the means, and that posterity will triumph in the day's transaction, even although we should rue it, which I trust in God we shall not. I remember these words as I, I uh, walked along the multiple parades that I went to this past weekend, the last two weeks actually, um, both, and was able to attend a uh, number of uh, fireworks displays and met with a lot of different constituents and a lot of folks, and it uh, made me really proud to be in Lyon County and to be an American. Okay, thank you. Ms. Homestead. Thank you, <clears throat> Mr. Chair. I'm just gonna limit it to disclosures. I have one required disclosure. I had a June 28th meeting about the Hiddenwood Assemblage rezoning with Mike Romeo of Walsh Colucci and a group of Hiddenwood residents. And that is all. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Buffington. No required disclosures and no comments. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Ms. Brisbane. Thank you, Vice Chair Sains. Um, by way of disclosures, um, I'm <coughs> sorry. I ran into Colleen Gillis and Mike Majestic on June 27th, had a, a few uh, 
light conversation about Cascades Marketplace. Also had a call with Mike Majestic from Willard Retail on June 23rd about Cascades Marketplace application. Um, I attended the National Association of Counties Healthy Counties Advisory Board where we talked about housing as a health care issue. Um, we kicked off the Algonquian Parkway Multimodal Feasibility Study over at DTCI. Um, and it was amazing. Parks and Rec was there. Um, we had some community stakeholders there, including Bike Loudon. Um, we had the consultant there that's uh, getting to work on the study. And VDOT was there. So it was really, really fruitful. And once again, I left there thinking how awesome our staff is and how we're going to get the job done right even if it takes longer than we often would like, but it's gonna get done right. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about moving forward with that. Um, I had a town hall last week, um, a community dialogue uh, to combat hate and uh, with the NAACP and ADL of uh, Washington, DC. Um, and we had conversations about um, threats, intimidation, um, racist, anti-Semitic hate speech, uh, flyers, all of the above. Christian Johannes from the NAACP is a young man and, and shared with us his experience in Loudoun County Public Schools, which right now are experiencing a higher uh, rate of hate speech. Um, one thing that stuck with me about the conversation was that ADL tracks these things and they know for a fact that the speech leads to violence. The spraying of swastikas on uh, community infrastructure leads to violence. The leafletting from the KKK eventually leads to violence. So it was uh, a very moving um, conversation uh, with the community and I recommend anyone going to their websites. I think I put it in my newsletter last week um, if you are interested in seeking out more information. Um, had a great time yesterday at Clawmore Park. Again, Parks and Recs knocked it out of the park. <laughs> no pun intended. But um, the event was fantastic. Um, got to talk with some of the park managers, and you know there was great food trucks and two stages and a band, and it was really the the place was filling up by 11 a.m. Um, so that was really fantastic. Um, lastly, I had the opportunity to sit in for Chair Randall at the um, Cog Board of Trade meeting. Um, recently and of course we talked about metro at length um it was it's cog members and then and then leaders in in businesses and there were some large business uh, businesses represented there so we had long discussion about metro but then we also had a discussion about safety and also about about guns and the uh lead business leaders also agreed that we have an issue with gun violence in our nation and I asked the business leaders, could you, even if you don't talk about legislation, even if you don't talk about an assault weapons ban, could you put out a statement from your business that you are also concerned just about the gun violence in general? Because you just said it, they just said it right there at the table. They are also concerned about it. Um, so we'll see, we'll see if that happens. Um, I, I, I just hope it happens <laughs> because it's it is an economic issue, right? It, it's an economic issue. If you have a lot of gun violence in certain areas, then businesses aren't going to want to locate there. Employees aren't going to want to live there. Um, 
And it's a healthcare issue, and obviously it's a safety issue. On that note, um, so far this year, we've had 356 mass shootings, a couple over July 4th weekend, I'm sure you heard. Uh, we've had 21,932 total gun deaths, 9,656 were homicide, 12,276 were suicide. This includes 142 children under the age of 11, and 776 between the ages of 12 and 17. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Turner. Thank you, Mr. Chair. On Thursday, June 22nd, my staff met with Colleen and I met with uh, Colleen Gillis from Cooley LLP to discuss the application for North Star Square. On Thursday, June 29th, my staff and I met with Colleen Gillis and Molly Novotny from Cooley LLP, as well as Angela Rassus and Eric Anderson from Toll Brothers to discuss the application for North Star. Later that day, my staff met with Ron Meyer from RMA LLC to discuss the application for Belmont Innovation Campus. Uh, just one interesting note, I read the declaration, or one of the supervisors read the Declaration of Independence yesterday on the Leesburg Courthouse. And uh, one of the sponsors said that the first reading of the Declaration of Independence in the United States after it was passed was on August 12th in 1776 from the steps of the Leesburg Courthouse, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's all I have. Thank you, Mr. Chair. All right, thank you. Um, and mandatory disclosures, my staff and I met with representatives for, um, from Watch Colucci and their, um, and their uh, the residents of the Hiddenwood Assemblage uh, for their application on June 26th. Um, and on June 28th, my staff and I met with the Loudoun West um, applicants for their application that will be coming in front of us uh, shortly. And as I always say, thank you to those who took the time to come and speak to us about the issues that are pressing and near, dear, near and dear to your heart. You could have been anywhere else with us, but you chose to be with us for, for those brief moments. We really do appreciate it. And that is all I have for today. So uh, with that, the meeting is adjourned. Thank all you. Done.